morning, guys, and uh, welcome to, to Questions and Answer. Um, we've kind of put together a panel of, uh, of a lot of the people who are part of our staff. So we put together uh, a panel of, uh, of our staff. We want you guys to get a chance to get to know them better, as well as we know that so often uh, we, we teach things that are helpful to you guys, but maybe we don't address that specific question that's been sitting on your mind a lot lately. And so we are literally building the sermon as we go this morning. If you guys have a question, have a thought, we want you to take this, this uh, number right here and, uh, and shoot a text to me. I will pull it up on my phone. Uh, we'll put it in the mix of questions that we get. And if we don't get to it this morning, uh, you will get a reply back. So we want to make sure that we answer these questions and, and talk about faith in a way that's very real and ris- realistic to you guys. So, um, so start, um, this number's on Uversion Live. If you've been messing with your phones, you guys are welcome to have those devices out all morning and just kind of interact with us on these subjects. You'll see us as well as we answer questions. We may be looking for a specific Bible verse. And so we may actually uh, be Googling that as, uh, as you guys ask questions and just try to reference not, not so much um, our opinions, but what we know that God has said because we've, we've uh, maybe a little bit ahead of you guys or maybe we've read a passage of Scripture and it's memorable to us and, and just hasn't come to your mind. Mind lately. So uh, with that said, we want to do a few introductions first. So we're going to start down here with JD uh, and just talk um, talk a little bit about who we are and, and where we come from. So uh, just as a quick start, uh, let's talk about how everybody got to Clarksville and, uh, and where they're originally from and what you miss most about, uh, about home. Cool. All right. Well, I'm going to stand while I talk real quick because this stool is kind of shaky. I'm JD. Um, I am from New England, uh, as they referenced a couple weeks ago. I'm the guy from Boston, and um, I came to Clarksville, what, about a month ago? About that? Yeah. It's been real fun so far. Um, I do miss a couple things about living up north. Uh, I miss hopping on the subway and going to see a Red Sox game. I miss, I miss, I can't watch my teams on TV, because they're all blacked out here. So, you know. Um, What else do I miss? I miss my family. Uh, my sister just got back from Spain, and so she's home right now. She was on a missions trip, so I miss her too. So she might be watching. Hi. So that's me. Anything else, Patrick? Cool, man. What was the question? Do what? Talk about myself, where I'm from? Uh, hey, guys. My name's Dave Thompson. Uh, I'm, me and Cheryl are the co-pastors of the student ministry on Wednesday nights. I've been in Clarksville for four years, I think. Four? No, wow, seven. Uh, I moved here whenever I was 19. I'm, I'm way off. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I was born in Louisville. I moved to Michigan. I lived there till I was 12, came down to Todd County, and then I finally moved to Clarksville on my own. Uh, I'm what I call a Southern Yankee, so uh, I'm kind of halfway in between. Um, been going to one church for two years. All right. Oh, and I have a really nice beard. <laughs> Amen. Hi, I'm Cheryl. I don't have a really nice beard, unfortunately. Um, I'm really sorry. Um, let me see. How long have I lived in Clarksville? Let's see. I'm going to be 26 in October. So in October, it'll be 26 years. I've lived here my whole life. Um, and But actually, during the summer, the last four summers, I've lived... Um, in different places. I've lived in Nashville, Charleston, I've lived out in New Mexico, and I've lived in New Orleans. And I think the places, or the things I miss most about those places, each of them, is the food. I mean, you just can't get food like that here. So, 
Yeah, I've been going to One Church since 2009, so four years. So that's me. Hey, I'm Jared, and uh, I've been here in Louisville. Sorry, (laughs) lived in Louisville before, though. Uh, I've been here in Clarksville for about eight years now, and I grew up in West Africa, and um, I just enjoy being here. I head up the uh, care ministry, and uh, I miss uh, the food in Africa a whole lot too. I've got my, I've got my own weapon. Hey, I'm Luther, and I don't have an official title. I'm about to have one. I guess I could announce that this morning. Uh, I've been the MacGyver pastor, just kind of whatever they need, I do. Uh, I've been everything from small group pastor to student pastor to, I think there was a couple other, outreach. Um, My wife and I are taking on the new role, and uh, we haven't put it up on the website yet or anything, but uh, at One Church, we're starting an adoption and foster family care ministry. And so I'm going to be the new adoption and foster care family pastor. And so, um, uh, I guess it's official now, um, now we have to do it. Uh, but no, we're looking to do a monthly meeting for families that have adopted and are in the process of keeping kids and foster, uh, is a, being a foster home and, uh, and parents that are in process on that. And so that'll be a once, uh, like first Sunday night of the month, probably starting in October. Um, and so we're looking forward to ramping that up and starting that off and really loving on those folks with kind of their unique and individual needs that. Um, are kind of separate from from the normal family. So, uh, I've been in Clarksville since 1980, I think 81. I'd have to do math there, but um, and that's not since my birth, unfortunately. Um, I moved around a lot before that. We actually made one move from Fairbanks, Alaska, to Key West, Florida. Um, that was one move, and then lots of other moves that looked similar to that. So I went to almost 20 schools before I finished high school. Um, and so my wife grew up and lived here in the, in, in Clarksville her entire life. And so I don't understand that at all. So, uh, my passions are strangely enough. Um, they've become Africa in the last two years. Um, I lead teams back over there. We've got a team going in August, I'm sorry, September, and then another one in January. So if you've ever had a desire to maybe go check out what the rest of the world looks like and let God break your heart, uh, I could totally make that happen for you. So. Um, I don't think there's anything else interesting about me other than my amazing red pants, right? Right? I know, right? How cool are those? Oh, boy. There's a few pairs of those socks floating around this room, so you might be scared as you walk around this morning. Um, I'm Patrick Fowler. I coordinate the, uh, the small groups here at One Church. Uh, actually, July marks a year for Stacy now that we've been here in Clarksville. So, yep, yep. Uh, we've moved all around. I have not been uh, this close to home, which is Kentucky, for about 12 years. So it feels really good to be in Tennessee, I'm just going to say. Um, moved from uh, Dallas most recently. I was in school there. Um, but, uh, but also uh, have Atlanta on my list of places uh, that I've lived before and uh, in Lynchburg, Virginia, where uh, good old J.D. is from. So go Flames. So, um, yeah, so that's a little bit about us. Um, uh, Jared, uh, he didn't he didn't say it. Maybe you guys didn't catch it, but Jared's been teaching us. He's uh, he's in school to be a counselor. Uh, he's been um, kind of adding that uh, flavor ministry to what we do here at One Church, and uh, and has taught us a lot as well as uh, hopefully been a good resource for you guys. So um, you don't see him up on stage much, but he is a core part of what we do. And if you guys ever want to uh, to kind of meet with him and talk through that, uh, we actually keep his cards outside. So he's one of those people that you can contact as well. And we're all, as you get to know us, uh, you'll know that we keep our email addresses and ourselves pretty accessible. So most of us can be contacted by just 
JD at onechurch.tv, Patrick at onechurch.tv, Dave at onechurch.tv. So if you ever, if you connect with one of us or want to talk more or um, want to kind of address some, something that we said this morning, feel free again, not only to, uh, to reply to, via text, but actually to contact us directly because that's a big part of what we're here for. So um, that being said, let's, uh, let's talk about some of these questions that we've been getting. So I appreciate you guys. My, my phone is vibrating. I had to take it out of my pocket because it was just getting crazy. Um, but, uh, but let me, let me throw out a couple of these questions. We'll see if you guys can answer it. And I think JD was going to help us with one of these in particular. Um, we've been getting the question a lot because next Sunday is baptism Sunday. Uh, what is baptism? Like, what does it mean? And, and why do people do that? And so I'm going to let him kind of kick us off with an answer to that question. Awesome. Thank you so much for asking that question. Uh, baptism is very important. Uh, baptism is actually a command from Jesus. Um, so it's something that we want to do. Um, <laughs> Basically, the physical act of baptism, you're dunked underneath the water, you come back up, and you're probably asking, what's the big deal? Um, Baptism is a symbol. It's a symbol of the gospel, really. It's a symbol of your faith in Jesus Christ, and it's also a proclamation of your faith. Um, When you get saved, uh, you don't just continue on in the same life you were living, okay? You get saved, your whole life changes, and baptism is a picture of that. See, when you get dunked underneath the water... It's like you're buried with Christ in death, and you're raised to life in his newness of life, what he gives you when you are saved. Now, there's a verse about this, and I want to point this out. Um, Nothing I say matters. Only what matters is what God says in his word, so I'm going to go to that. This comes from Romans chapter 6, verse 1 through, I think, 6. Yeah. It says this, What shall we say then? I'll just preface this real quickly. What Paul's about to talk about here in Romans 6 is that um, there were some people asking, hey, you know, we got saved. What do we do now? Should we continue to sin? Should we keep living that old life? And so this is what Paul says. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? As you're under, going underneath the water, you're buried with his death. Okay? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. So as we come up from that water, we are making a proclamation to the world from head to toe, our whole body, our whole soul, our whole mind. That we are completely sold out to Jesus and that nothing can take us away from him. Nothing, like we sang earlier in our God, if our God is for us, who can stand against us? No one, nothing. You're making that proclamation as you go down and back up. World, I am the property of Jesus and nothing can steal me away. So, Yeah, I want to, I get the awesome job here as the MacGyver pastor. Um, I'm usually the one out in the hallway when folks are being baptized and I get to pray with them before service and explain literally like the mechanics of, of being baptized and baptizing. And what's so cool and what you guys don't see is when you're in here watching a baptism happen, if we're baptizing one of our kids from Wonderland or One Way Street, there may be 30 or 40 kids lined up around the tank. Um, and I'm out there with them talking and and getting to explain baptism to them. And it is so cool because they all know now. Because I'll ask them, does baptism, does bab- getting baptized save you? And they're all like, no. And I'll be like, what saves you? And they're all like, Jesus. 
But these kids get it because we've explained to them as they've watched it and seen it that getting baptized is advertising that you're different. It's simply telling the world that you met Jesus and I'm going in the water one way and I'm coming out the other. Just like there was a moment that I walked up to Jesus one way and then I walked away different. And so that's, I mean, to just break that question down very simply, that's how our kids understand it. And, and that's all you need to understand is it's getting to tell the world that you're not the same anymore. Since Chris isn't here, I'm going to add his analogy because he would love to share this. I think this is one of the most effective ways to, to, to describe this. But when someone asks Chris, what is baptism and should I be baptized? He holds up his wedding ring and he says, everybody, when I put this on, my, on, uh, on the right finger, knows that I'm married. But this ring doesn't make me married. So if I take it off or I forget and I leave it at home, that doesn't not make me married. It's a symbol of a relationship, of a commitment that I carry with me throughout my life. And, uh, and I think that's, that's really what baptism is. It may not be something that goes on our finger that we wear around, but it is very much like a tattoo or a ring. It symbolizes something that we 100% committed to that changed our life at a moment. And uh, baptism is our way of advertising that to the world. It's, it's cool in that it's unique. No, nobody else, um, you don't get baptized for any other reason. Nobody gets baptized because they're married. No one gets baptized, um, you know, just, uh, because they got a new pair of shoes. It's very uniquely Christian. And, uh, and that's a cool thing about it that I think God's given us. Um, JD, while we were, uh, while you were answering that question, somebody texted me in a link so that you can watch your games from here over the internet. So there you go. <laughs> so there's the love. We're sharing the love in every possible way this morning. So you guys have got some good questions, some tough ones, some, some, uh, some very, very tough ones. So I think the next one uh, we'll go to is, is uh, one I asked Dave to kind of kick us off on. And that is um, someone asked... Um, a lot of churches make big moral stands. Uh, most of us in here have heard of this crazy church called Westboro Baptist. Um, when I was at home in E-Town this weekend, there were people picketing uh, about abortion in front of, on the corner of a church. So those church people uh, were making a stand about abortion. And some people ask, why, why does one church not do that? I've never seen them say something like that or talk about it from stage or anything like that. Why don't we make big moral stands as a church? Well, the, the short answer is it's simply not our job to do that. It's not our job to stand there and tell somebody that we disagree with what they're doing. They already know. Uh, whenever we stand there, we're doing something that I said a few months ago is that we're proving a point rather than being the difference. Um, I actually have a little Bible verse here. It says, it's uh, Colossians 3. It says, Therefore, as God chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience um see the fact is it's it's hard for us to close our clothe ourselves with that uh we tend tend to lead with something that's the complete opposite um we you know compassion the the phrase that would have been used back in this time whenever this was written in the first century um they would have said you know we we, we hear the phrase all the time i love you with all my heart they would have said i love you with all my bowels I know that's funny who, who says that, but just imagine whenever you see somebody in pain and you truly feel in the pit of your stomach that pain with them. Um, a lot of people call that sympathy pain. So whenever they're saying, I love you with all my bowels, they're literally referring to compassion, that sense of, I feel for you. And because of that, I love you. I love you so much that I want to introduce you with my Lord Jesus Christ. And that's ultimately the only job the church has. 
Thanks, Dave. That was, that was really good. I, a lot of people use the phrase moral police. Are we supposed to be the moral police? And, uh, and our, our basic answer is no. God hasn't called us to be the moral police. So I think you summarized that really well. Um, the uh, uh, thing I wrote down here that, uh, that we're, a, we're a, and we'll talk about this in a second, but we're about a relationship with Christ. Uh, we tell people all the time, when I talk to people about, uh, yeah, I'm a pastor at a church, and they look at me funny, I say, we're a church for people who don't go to church. Our goal as one church is specifically to be about people coming in here on a Sunday morning and hearing about Jesus and not being offended about anything except for what he said about starting a relationship with him. Because we know that when people find out how much God loves them, um, that they will start a relationship with him. And all those things will, will be dealt with. The same way when you got married, if, uh, if your wife was not, uh, if she hated Italian food, you probably stopped eating Italian food because you valued the relationship over, um, over the things that, um, that you were going to miss out on. And that's the same with Jesus. When we get in a relationship with him, life changes because we love him so much that we change our lifestyle to fit and be conducive to a relationship. So, pretty good. Uh, somebody asked a question. This is a fun one, so you guys feel free to jump in here. Who is the most underrated biblical character that you can think of? I like that. It's pretty good. I actually have one. Um, there's a donkey... Uh, at some point in time, hang on, it's in the Old Testament, I can't remember the, uh, the guy's name, but, uh, do what? Balaam. Yeah, Balaam, there we go. Uh, he's, he's on the way to, uh, basically a king wants him to come and uh, curse all the, the Israelites that are coming through his land, and, you know, God tells him not to go. So he's, he's going, and then there's this donkey that uh, he's riding, and then all of a sudden the donkey sits down because he sees that there's an angel about to kill Balaam ahead of him. And, you know, so, so he gets mad and he, like, kicks the donkey and he curses the donkey. So the donkey gets up and keeps moving and then it happens again and it happens again. So finally, God gives the donkey the ability to talk. And it looks up at him and he says, look, you know, there's an angel in front of us who's going to kill you. And I think the donkey itself is probably the most underrated Bible character. <laughs> because we don't see it, but the donkey did. That's so funny. Yeah, I'm trying to find it. There's a, there's a guy, Ehud was his name. He was a, uh, one of the judges, another Old Testament biblical character. And uh, Ehud goes in and he's, uh, he's sent to uh, attack this king, basically. And he's a left-handed guy and he's got this sword or this dagger that he stripes on his, he straps on his, uh, on his uh, side. And goes into the king and the, uh, he says, oh, king, I've got a secret message for you from God. And so the king sends everybody out, and Ehud uh, says, oh, I've got this message for you. The king says, well, come closer. And so he gets in close, and Ehud grabs his dagger and stabs it into the king, and it says that the king was so overweight that the, that the, uh, the handle actually went inside him. And uh, later on, he escaped through the toilet, uh, Ehud did. And uh, the people, his servants, the king's servants were so scared, they didn't want to come back in. And so it says that uh, they waited and they waited and they waited because they thought that he was relieving himself there. And they waited to the point of embarrassment and then came in. So I like Ehud because he's just kind of a neat guy. I think they, I don't think I can top those. Between the, between the toilet bowl escape, sorry, between the toilet bowl escaper and the talking donkey. I mean, unless Shrek shows up in the Bible, I don't think I can top Hello, donkey. <laughs> I was saved years ago. Sorry. Someone texted in and said, I was saved years ago. Uh, I've had my life changed and continue to go in Christ, to Christ. Is it too late to be baptized? This is a fun question. I Thank you, Patrick, for giving me this question. Um, I was baptized. This is, you know, 
personal story before I bring up, you know, any form of scripture or whatever. But um, uh, I was baptized at a really young age. I was seven or eight when I was baptized. And I didn't fully grasp the concept of who God was and who, um, what a relationship with Jesus looked like. And, you know, a few years later, I was, I think I was about 10. Um, that was when I started understanding what satisfaction in the Lord was and what God's grace looked like. And um, so, you know, it... 10 years old, that's where I came into a relationship with Jesus. And as I, as I grew, um, I started serving, uh, with students and everything. And then back May of 2012, I just really felt convicted to be baptized, um, as a believer. Cause that had never happened. And, you know, this is fast forward 14 years. I was 24 at the time. Um, and so, you know, that's, like I said, 14 years. And at the time I was kind of embarrassed because I was like, these students are looking at me like, you know, this is who one of our leaders are and everything. And so, um, but I took that, that next step because I've, like I said, I felt convicted that I had not, uh, gone through with, um, baptism as a believer. And so, no, I don't think there's, you know, I mean, I waited 14 years and I think if you can wait 14 years, you can wait a hundred years, might not be alive that long, but, um, but no, I, you know, I, there's nowhere in scripture that says you can't. So, but it says that you need to be, uh, be obedient and follow in believers baptism. Yeah. If you got baptized before you were saved, all you did was get wet. That's all I did. I got dunked I mean, really, because all it, my friends were doing it. You just one of your friends dunked you in a pool. I mean, at the end of the day, cause there was, no, you know, if we said, you know, baptism is showing the world, the change that's happened inside you with Jesus. And so if no change had happened inside you because of Jesus, you just got wet. Um, and so your baptism should happen on this side of your meeting Jesus. And whether that happens the day you meet Jesus or a week after you meet Jesus or 10 years after you meet Jesus, you should tell the world that you've met Jesus. And, and that's what God commands us to do. And, and that's what baptism is. Uh, and further, just there's no such thing as too late for anything. Uh, when it comes to Christ, he's... Uh, he's going to forgive you, a, you know, 10 minutes before you die if you've never accepted Christ up to then. Just as he's not going to care if you get baptized 50 years after you've accepted him as your, as your Savior. Um, so with that being said, with anybody in here, there's no such thing as too late. Uh, just not soon enough. Uh, let's let's talk off one more that uh, comes up that's related to that. And that is, if I was a Christian, I was on fire at one time and I fell away. Can I get back on track, and how do I get back on track? Um, Romans 8.30, let me pull it up so I don't misquote it. Um, let me get to it. Somebody else can talk while I'm finding the verse. I, can, I don't have the verse, but uh, um, I, I like to look at a spiritual journey as an interstate. Okay, An interstate moves, let's say, 24. If you got on at Clarksville, you would get off in Nashville. Okay? No matter what, the interstate moves directly to that point. But at any point in time, you can take the exit 11. You can take exit 24. And you can hang out there for a little while. But eventually, you're going to get back on 24, and you're going to go straight to Nashville. Um, God's plan for you, his will, his, you know, as you journey with him, there's going to be times where you're just driving, and you're on that road, and you're going in that straight line, but you're going to exit. And it's your choice to exit. But eventually, you're going to have to get back on. Um, that, that's the best image I can paint. Okay, on the verse. Um, Paul is speaking to the Romans. 
in this in this passage, he says, For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor, nor rulers, nor things present or things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Um, Paul named a lot of different things that he's saying can't separate us. And if those things can't separate us, um, then nothing can separate us. And if we are in Jesus, um, no matter how far away we go, he's, he has a tendency to pull us back. Um, because that's just the kind of God that he is. And, um, and yes, you know, like it said, nothing can separate us. There's a key analogy that we talk about a lot at one church. Uh, we say that God ultimately wants church to feel like family. That's one of the crucial reasons why we do small groups is we want you to be around a group of people that you see every week that you have more of a, a gut level conversation with, um, that you feel like you can give and serve and, and, and feel love from that group of people because ultimately God calls us a family in scripture. And I use that analogy a lot when I talk about people being off track and on track with God. Um, just because you do something to upset your father doesn't mean he kicks you out of the family. You are still a part of that family regardless. So if you have um, come to Christ, you have a relationship with him, uh, but you've messed it up, it's the same as if you have done something to upset your dad. At some point, you're going to have to sit around that, that table and say, I'm sorry. And you're going to have to um, work out what just happened there. But, um, but he is the ultimate father. He's the best father there is. So he's not going to, he's not going to, when you come back to the table ready to talk to him, he's not going to say, well, you need to go do this um, just to prove yourself to me. He's going to accept you back with loving arms. And you're going to be able to get back connected and back on track um, because you're family. And that's what God invites us into. Not just, um, you know, a, a contract that if you live up to your end, he'll live up to his end, but a family relationship. So, and it literally says we are adopted, which I think is, is an analogy that fits really well with our congregation. Um, we've got one um, question that kind of got phrased two or three different ways, and it's just, my life is hard right now. Like, I'm a Christian. Um, I, um, I want to follow Christ, but life is, like, hard. Uh, one lady said, um, you know, what do we do when, when our family members are not believers? And we're coming to church. Maybe they're coming to church with us, but, but they're not really interested in getting engaged with, with what uh, God's doing in their life. Another person said, you know, how do I hear God's will for my life among, um, among emotional pain and turmoil? Um, I say, I'm afraid that if I stay busy, I'll miss it. That's a powerful question. I'm going to let somebody. Jerry, do you want to talk about that? Well, that's, uh, that's really is a tough question. Uh, we all have different pains in our lives. Each one of us... Uh, we can look back on our past and we can see how God has shaped us and how the world has shaped us and how events in our life have shaped us for today. And I think we can use those times in our life that are so painful to reach out to others that are going through similar pains. Uh, I'm currently going through uh, the, the book of Genesis with my family in the mornings. And one of the things that we're going through right now is Abraham and seeing how Abraham, when he had these experiences, he built an altar and he worshiped God. And any time that he met God, he, he built an altar. And an altar is a place of sacrifice. And a lot of times when we see these experiences that we've had in our past, whether it be uh, the way somebody has treated us or the way uh, our, we just think our lives haven't worked out the way that they thought they should, we can sacrifice our dreams on that altar and sacrifice and basically turn them over to God. Whether it's family members that, uh, that aren't believers yet, whether it's uh, times in our past that uh, have just 
totally broken us down as individuals. We can use those times to sacrifice to God as a sacrifice to God and say, God, use me to minister to other people. Use me to bring joy to other people who may be going through this very same thing right now. And so, you know, the best thing I can say is hold on. Hold on to what God has in store for you. Look to the future with this, this hope that God says he has a future and a hope for us uh, to, to prosper us. And not necessarily prosperous in a, in a materialistic way, but prosperous in a spiritual way to bring joy and salvation back to our lives. And he extends that to others. And you might be the very vessel to extend that to other people that you know. Um, in James, he's, he's talking to these tribes and he says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Um, so it, it says we're going to be, we're going to be persecuted. We're going to face trials and tribulations and stuff. But to find joy in that um, because the perseverance of your faith, um, that's what, well, that's what produces perseverance. That's what scripture says. Yeah, yeah I just want to touch on that real quick. Um, I love what you just said, and it just drove me to another verse. It's my favorite verse in the whole world. Uh, this verse is, I'll just do it from memory. This verse is Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1, 1 and 2, which says, this is the example of Jesus, who is our example. It says that, you know, Jesus, for the joy of what was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and then he was received into glory, right? So our example, Jesus, triumphed over everything that he faced, and he faced a lot, a lot of persecution, persecution that we don't really face here in America that they do, they see in other parts of the world. Um, Jesus took everything on that cross and he crucified it, but it was for the joy set before him. So as we go through things in in this life and we're going to go through hard times, um, you know, we need to keep our eyes on Jesus, who is the author of our faith, the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured that cross. Um, And another thing that was really on my heart, and I just want to encourage you, all of you going through tough things, this past year of my life has been the hardest year of my life. Um, It's just been a whirlwind of hurt and um, pain, really. Um, But I want to let you know that God is faithful. Um, God has not left your side. There's a great song by Matt Redman. I don't know if you guys have ever done it here. If not, we're doing it soon. Um, it's a song called Never Once. And it says that never once have we ever walked alone. You are faithful. God, you are faithful. Scars and struggles on the way, but with joy, our hearts can say that never once did we ever walk alone. And that is so true. There's a verse here in 2 Timothy chapter 2, and it's really, this verse has gotten me through the past year. It says this, The saying is trustworthy. If we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. Pay attention to this. It's verse 13. 2 Timothy 2.13. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. For he cannot deny himself. It's in the character and in the nature of God that he is faithful. And he's not going to leave you in those tough times. Bank on his word. Bank on his promises. Read this book. His, it's full of promises where God just pours blessing out on us and says, I'm not leaving you. If your husband leaves you, if 
you know, someone close to you dies, no matter what happens, I'm not leaving you. I'm faithful. Trust in him. Yeah, and I want to touch on part of that question was, how do I follow God's will through my suffering and through my hard times? And and, and I don't, I the first part of this I want to hit, uh, it's Romans 8, same place you were at a minute ago, but verse 31. As you're building up to verse 31, uh, the, the people in, in the uh, church in Rome are telling Paul all these bad things that are happening to them. They're, you know, we're being killed. They're taking our families. They're, you know, we're being put in the Colosseum and fighting lions and we're losing. And, you know, they're, it's, you know, being a Christian has, has a cost and it's gotten hard. And Paul says, what shall we say then about such wonderful things as these? Yeah, right? Like you're, whoa, hey, did you hear what you just said? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for all of us. And so we're going to suffer. Like, like becoming a Christian is, is not Joel Osteen Christ, Christianity. Like, I'm sorry. It doesn't mean you get a Cadillac and a better job. And if you love Jesus more, you never get sick. That's just a lie. Like, loving Jesus means you're going to go through all the stuff that everybody else goes through. You're just not going to go through it alone. And that's what I love about J.D. just said. But on the question of, like, God's will, God's will is not complicated. And, and for a lot of us, this is what Christianity looks like. Like you stand in this spot and you say, if God would only tell me his will, I would go do something for God. And then you stand here for 30, 40 years as a Christian and you never do anything and you never move and you never love dangerously. And here's what I can tell you about God's will. Use the interstate analogy. And this is the one I use with students. Like, like this is exit one and God's will in his Bible says, love, love dangerously. Okay, well, if I'm at exit one, love is moving towards Nashville. So let's get on exit one and head towards Nashville. Let's get on the interstate. We're moving. God says, be compassionate and share truth. And that means when I get to Nashville, I'm to take I-65 and go this way. And never once did a text message show up. Did anything happen that told me what my destination was? But God's word was very clear about what his will looks like. God's will, don't do anything that is, that is opposite to God's will, God's character, or God's Bible. If you're doing those things in your life, guess where you are? You are right smack dab in the center of God's will. And whether your life is good or you're in the middle of suffering, if you're loving dangerously, if, you're, if you look more like Jesus today than you did yesterday, you're right in the center of God's will. And I think eventually as you keep making those decisions and moving in those directions, you're going to find that God puts you right where he wants you to be. And maybe you never heard God actually speak and say, go do this, but you're going to find yourself right in the middle of doing that. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm bringing on after about another five minutes, uh, about 20 unread messages. So you guys are blowing this up and it is awesome. Um, if you are sending a sincere question, please know we can't, we just can't touch every one of them. We've got a dozen that I've already read, um, that, uh, that we can't touch on, but we're going to try to, um, what we do is get together as a staff and answer these, these week. So you're going to get an answer. Um, there's, um, there's one big one I want to, I want to talk about. And then, uh, and we're going to do one as a staff here real quick as well. Because um, so often we talk about a personal relationship and people don't, um, it, it is hard to grasp that. Uh, we talk and we give advice up here and, uh, and it's great. But more than anything, 
what we hope is what you guys hear from us is that we've read something in our time with God or we've asked the same question as you guys have in our time with God and God's started to give us an answer to that. And that's really what we're trying to pull out of here this morning is the answers God has given us. Because all in all, as much as we can target Sunday mornings for you guys and your questions or target an environment like Christianity 101 for you guys and your questions, eventually we want you to get to a place where you ask God the question and listen for his answer, uh, either reading his word or just kind of waiting for that whisper. And so uh, let's, let's talk real quick as a staff about our time with God and what God's currently teaching us. Uh, and I'll, I'll go first. I'll give you guys an example. Um, I, if I'm going to do something, I've got to do it every day. Because if I try to do it scattered, it's not going to happen. And so I've got a version plan that has checkboxes, and I read a little bit of the Bible every day. Um, and that can be overwhelming because sometimes there's a lot to read in one of those plans. And so the very first thing that I do in my time with God when I get up is I, I get up and I open a, a little devotional called The Daily Bread. Uh, and we have paper copies, but I've got it on my phone as well. And so I will read uh, literally two paragraphs, uh, a devotional thought, something from Scripture that someone has written about changing their lives. And, uh, and that's what my time with God looks like so often. And what you guys heard me share a couple weeks ago when I showed the, the movie Machine Gun Preachers, what God had been teaching me recently. Because this is the first year that I've ever been called a pastor, the first time I've ever done ministry on a, on a major scale. And God was telling me that if, if you don't stay close, like if you don't let me keep pouring into you um, and pour into you more now because you're pouring out more now, that you're going to dry up. And uh, I needed that message, but it wasn't something I got from somebody else's sermon or from a song, although God has spoken to me those ways sometimes. But it was something that God just kind of had to push and push and push until it finally clicked in my head. And, uh, and I got it from John, which is a book that, to be honest, I have a real hard time reading. So uh, it just showed up in an obscure way. But, um, but I spend my time with God in the mornings as often as I can. Um, it gives me a chance to catch up in the evenings before I go to bed if I miss, mess up. And, uh, and I'm in version and I'm in the Daily Bread. And I'm an IT geek, so it's always electronic. I'm just, that's just the way it works. So. I'm currently reading through, I've uh, been going through the book of First Corinthians, and it's been amazing. That's a book I haven't really read in a long time. It's one of those, like, if you're, pre, if you're doing, like, a, a mari- uh, someone's wedding, like, you'll go to First Corinthians and do the love thing. But it's not a book that I typically would read through. And God has just really um, said a lot to me over the last couple of weeks as I've kind of unpacked it. And a couple times I've gone through the same chapter several days in a row just as God continues to show me things um, in there. Um, as a church, we've had a lot, of, lot going on the last couple of years. And I know God has an amazing plan for us moving forward. And it's been really cool. There have been a couple mornings that, um, like, I've called Chris. and like, I just read this. And, you know, um, God is so cool. And, and that's so much a part of what God is doing in one church. And, and, the, and the decisions that we have coming moving forward about, you know, how we continue to reach people for Jesus in Clarksville. And, and look like Jesus. And, and mix truth and grace. And, and so... It literally is just finding something where you can dig into God's word every day. For the longest time, I struggled with reading my Bible because I don't like to read. Um, and, and I'm a little ADD, and by a little, I mean a lot. And, and for years, told me, people told me I had to have a quiet time. And quiet reading doesn't work for me. And I finally figured out that when I read everything else, I read it with music blaring in my ears. I'll put on headphones and I can remember what I read because I have an intentional distraction. 
And so I have finally figured out in the last couple of years, I can read the Bible and remember what I read if I put some music on. And, and so find out what that looks like for you. Worship and music. Find a Bible study. John Piper has a great um, U version right now that's like 10 days long where he reads a scripture and, and then he unpacks it for you on a little video right on U version. If you've never read God's word before, have, do that. It's, it's a 10-day commitment. It's like a three-minute video every day. So try that. Do anything. I kind of referenced earlier, uh, part of my devotion is uh, spending quality time and quiet time with my wife. Uh, we're going, currently going through the one-year devotion for couples. We also, uh, every morning, to supplement that, we also read uh, a book of the Bible and just take it one chapter at a time. And we've gone through, uh, I see, uh, Genesis Now and uh, Song of Solomon, uh, Romans, I believe. And uh, we're just going through different uh, chapters together. And then personally, in my own quiet time, uh, I read uh, just uh, out of the Proverbs. And then there's a great little book on it's Puritan prayers. It's called Valley of Vision. And it's written by uh, Puritans from uh, the 1600s and so forth. And these guys have these, uh, they wrote down the, the cries of their hearts to God in dealing with anything from sin to uh, need of God, to need of grace, to just getting through the day. And uh, just looking at the total depravity that uh, lies within us as human beings and our total uh, reliance upon God and His grace. And uh, you can find that online uh, at Amazon. It's called Valley of Vision. And I highly recommend that to supplement your Bible reading. Um, Okay. uh, Back the beginning of this past semester, uh, the relevant students were encouraged to do a 90-day New Testament challenge. And I read through it, and I did that, um, but I didn't quite grasp what I was reading. I was more or less reading, you know, I was trying to pack in as many chapters as I could because, I, you know, there'd be something, something would come up, and I would skip a day. And so then I've got six chapters the next day. And for me, I've got to kind of pace myself and to be able to um, really understand it and unpack it. So I'm going back through um, the areas that, that I didn't feel like I really... Um, got a whole lot of understanding out of and uh and i don't i can't use my phone i might you guys might be like me um if i've got the bible app open and all of a sudden i'm mentioned in a tweet um or i've got you know a text message like my adhd kicks in and i'm gone um so i put my phone aside or i'll turn on music um, but i have to use the good old-fashioned paper bible and i will underline and highlight i mean Half the stuff, I don't know if you can really read it anymore because I've, you know, it's so many different colors and underlines and papers or pages are folded and I've got stuff stuck in them. Um, but right now I'm, uh, I'm working on the hardest book for me to get through and that was a revelation. So I'm, I'm trucking through it, but, um, uh, but yeah, that's kind of what my, my day looks like. And then I try to find somebody who's also, um, reading what I'm reading and, get them to hold me accountable. I know last summer I couldn't have gotten through the summer if Luther wasn't reading Acts and Romans at the same time that I was. And we would text each other every day what we read and, you know, what we thought that that meant. And so, um, finding for me, finding somebody that held me accountable, um, that was what I needed to do. And like I said, I, the phone does not hold me accountable. That is such a distraction for me. Uh, something that, that God taught me or actually uh, uh, something I try to incorporate in my daily life is I only say amen one time throughout the day. 
Uh, and this is, this is kind of part of my relationship with God, that from the time I wake up in the morning till the time I go to bed, I'm constantly talking to God. Uh, it, it helps in, in many ways. It helps my mind from wandering down a path it shouldn't go. Um, it helps me constantly have communication with them. And just knowing that anytime I'm there, it's, it's like a constant reminder that he's, he's right there next to me. Um, so I only say amen once. Uh, the, some other things that, that God's been teaching me lately, um, it's just to rely on him. Um, I, you hear a lot of phrases. I know there's a song out there that says, God won't put more on you than you can handle. Um, and uh, God will make sure it happens when you're ready. Uh, and those are, are terribly wrong. Um, because God put something massive on me recently. And it terrified me because I knew I was not ready. And I believe, but luckily, and this is what God finally taught me, is I believe in a God with a capital G. That he's going to put us in situations that we, he knows we cannot do on our own. He knows that there's no way we could possibly think we could do on our own, but we can rely on him. Gives us a reason. In a sense, you know, he's kind of playing a trick on us. He's like, ha gotcha, now you have to rely on me. So that's, that's what I'm learning. Um, right now, I am going through Genesis. Uh, I love history. I'm a history buff. So I really enjoy the Old Testament. Um, one thing I really like about the Old Testament is that um, you get to see kind of this thread that starts right there in Genesis chapter uh, 3 after the fall. And when uh, he's talking about how Christ will, you know, kill the serpent, Satan, someday. So right from that point, uh, we start to see God's promises take off in the Word. And throughout the whole Old Testament, I know a lot of people, they struggle to get through the Old Testament. I know myself, I'm sure some of you guys have had trouble getting through it before. But there's so much value in it, honestly. Uh, God uses the stories of so many men and women in the Old Testament to encourage our faith, to build us up, to show us his faithfulness, that He, those promises kept going for thousands of years. And so that's what he's teaching me right now. He's showing me his faithfulness from Adam and Eve all the way till now us sitting here today. Um, I know a big thing for me also is listening to worship music. Um, you know, look, I, I don't know what kind of music you guys like. I'm guessing country. We're in Tennessee. I like country music. I was the only guy in New England, I think, that liked country music. Uh, and I love listening to it. But there's something to be said about worship music. And there's a lot of really good stuff out there today. Um, just getting alone in your car, in your room, wherever it is, and uh, turn it up like Luther was talking about, blasting it. But there's so much truth in there, and there's so much encouragement. And without even noticing it, suddenly it's just lifting your spirits, and uh, you just feel better. Um, and so, you know, listen to some worship music, some hill songs, some Tomlin, some passion stuff, some Jesus culture. All that stuff is awesome. It really will encourage your faith, and it'll teach you things that... You know, you might not walk away on a Sunday morning reciting everything Chris just said, but you'll walk away going, you are faithful, God, you are faithful. And over the next course of the week, you're singing that to yourself and believing it. Um, and so, yeah, that is me. <laughs> cool. Awesome, guys. Thank you for sharing. We're going to go over time, so I'm going to wrap this up. Um, there's, there's one person who texted in that said, um, you know, I'm young. People don't take me seriously as a Christian. 
Uh, there's a verse for you out there, and I'm going to read this, and then we're going to conclude. First uh, Timothy four. If uh, if that's your question, you want to you want to remember First Timothy four. Um, the end of the chapter says this, and and Paul's giving advice to a young guy, and he says, "Don't look anyone, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example for believers in the way you speak, in your conduct, in your love, in your faith, and in your purity." Uh, he says, "Devote yourself um, to these things, and do not neglect the gift that God has given you." And then he concludes um, pretty much the letter by saying, Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. If you watch your life and doctrine closely, if you persevere in them, uh, you will save both yourself and those who hear and see you. And uh, I think that verse is, is written just for you. So if you haven't read that uh, on your own or found that in Scripture, that one's for you. Um, we are all about creating conversations here. We could go on a long time with questions. And again, we're going to give you guys some replies um, later on uh, personally and also on the, on the One Church Media website. If, uh, if this has sparked, like, a, I need to, like, actually have some more conversations about this, please know that we do a class in the fall called Christianity 101 where that's the goal of the class is 10 weeks of conversation with just the same group of people hashing out some of these basic questions and hearing a little bit more from God's Word about what they're like. So we would invite you to join us for that. We'd invite you to um, to consider a membership class that would go over maybe more about what one church is about, if you guys want to join that, or just being a part of a small group where there's a couple, there's a, a group of people, a group of couples who uh, who identify with some of your questions and your struggles that you can kind of process these things with.